episode 52. Steve Lundgren is a fellow piano man. The Online Course Guy podcast. Regular people are taking their knowledge and content and packaging it up in an online course and they're making a living doing it. Didn't you take some kind of course that covered this stuff? Check it out. It's a good course. It's a good class. Ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready? Here's the Online Course Guy. What's going on, everyone? This is Jacques Hopkins, and welcome to episode number 52 of the Online Course Guy podcast. We do have another interview coming at you today. I'm really excited about this one because for the first time in this podcast, episode 52, I'm coming at you with somebody who also put together a piano course. So we were able to talk shop a little bit, but Even if you're not in the music space, the piano space, you can still get a lot out of this interview. Before I talk to you a little bit more about it, let me tell you about today's sponsor, and that's Bonjoro.com. With Bonjoro, you can quickly and easily send short videos to your customers. The best way I've found to use it for online course businesses is that when somebody purchases your course, you, within like 24 hours, send them a Bonjoro, thanking them for buying your course. It's an amazing personal touch personal attention you can give to your new customers, and I promise they will appreciate it. You can get started with a free 14-day trial by going to bonjoro.com slash Jacques. That's B-O-N-J-O-R-O dot com slash J-A-C-Q-U-E-S. Okay, so Steve Lundgren joined me today. He is at the domain pianomansteve.com, and he obviously has an online piano course like I do. What blew me away about Steve when I was seeking him out is he's just an unbelievable pianist. He's he's a far better pianist than I ever have been or ever will be. He's just incredibly talented and I'm sure he's a great piano teacher as well and he's had some pretty good success with his online course and it was great to get to talk to somebody in the same space as me. I had a lot of questions I wanted to ask him about the way he did things. So I think even if you're not in this niche, you can still get a lot out of this episode. My and my favorite thing from the episode. And and look, Steve was just so genuine. He had a lot of great knowledge, wisdom to share with everybody on this episode. But my favorite thing came when he was just talking about marketing. And you know, when it boils down to it, marketing is just putting the right message in front of the right person at the right time. And when I got started back in 2013 with my online course, you know, I had at this point, I had been an engineer for, I guess, about six, five or six years and uh, you know that's all i knew was engineering I, I hadn't taken any business classes i hadn't taken any marketing classes not that that would have really helped me with online marketing but i didn't know the first thing about digital marketing i knew i kind of did some research and figured out the steps i needed to take to create an online course but man oh man it was hard to actually sell an online course and let me play this clip from you from the interview from Steve when he's talking about getting this stuff in front of the right person. He he's not all about quantity, he's about quality in terms of his customers. By the time it gets to here's the course and here's what it costs, I want him to feel like, man, this guy has been speaking my language. He knows exactly what my problem is and he's got the solution I'm looking for. Because that's the guy who's going to get it. I'm not going to have to refund him. He's going to get a great amount of benefit out of it, and everybody wins. So that's really the purpose of marketing is to create a win-win situation across the board. 
So I just love the way that Steve put that. I that's one of the reasons I charge a, a kind of a premium price for my product. I could sell my course for like ten or twenty dollars, but I would just get such a lower quality person. It's unlikely they they would actually finish my course if they paid that little because they they didn't have much investment in it. It's just it's just better to charge higher prices. It's better to have a higher quality product, and it's better to do the best possible job marketing your course so that you can find the exact right fit people for your course. And therefore, it becomes a win-win like Steve described. So plenty of more great nuggets like that in the full interview coming at you right now. Piano Man Steve, thank you for joining me on the podcast today. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. So tell me how long you've been playing piano. Um... I think the uh, the correct answer would be since I was seven, which would be about, God, 33 years. But I didn't get real serious about it until I was like 12 or 13. So still a long time, 28, sure. 29 years. So, man, I you know, I started playing piano when I was five. And, and you know, one reason I wanted to talk to you is I've never had anybody else that's, that's thing as piano. So we're going to have a lot to talk about, I'm sure. But I, I started when I was five and look, I didn't, I didn't get passionate about piano until I was like 20. Um, <laughs> what changed for you when you were like 13, 14? Uh, I discovered Billy Joel and, yeah. uh, and I quit paying attention entirely to anything that I was being assigned in piano lessons, which I, getting me through piano lessons was really hard. It was like you had to drag me to the things. And so I, I was the kid that always had the, the same song would be assigned and it would take like five weeks to move on to the next one. And when I saw Billy Joel on VH1, uh, they did a special on him, man. I just thought I got to learn how to do that. And I started dinking around on my own and I got addicted. So yeah. that's really what changed. I, I share a similar story with the dread of piano lessons. And it was it was always for me, it was always, you know, weekly piano lessons. You'd learn something with your teacher one week and then the next week it was like thirty minutes before your lesson is when you when you finally started to practice again and trying to cram really quickly so your teacher wasn't like, Oh, you didn't practice this week. Yeah. Well mostly it was so that my mom would stop haranguing on me. I can't believe I'm paying for these and you're not well, one my idea was yours. Yeah. So, so you you didn't like piano lessons, same as me. But you didn't uh, you didn't quit. Like we we both found kind of another uh, path. Like, how did you even know how to start playing some Billy Joel songs? Well, it was not. It wasn't easy at first, um, but I, I kind of lucked into it. It's one of those beautiful synchronicities that happens when you get, when you really get a fire in your belly for something, somehow the world starts showing you the resources that you need. And, um, my mom, my mom was somewhere and saw a guy playing the piano. I think it was at church or something. And, uh, she could tell that he wasn't reading notes on the page. He was doing it in a more improvisational way. And this is like a month or two after I became a, a Billy Joel fanatic. And um, 
she asked him, do you give lessons and can you teach whatever it is that you're doing here? And uh, so I started with him and he taught me chord symbols. He didn't really teach me much about what to do with them. But once I got from notation on pages, you know, my mind was spinning and I just sort of started plunking it out. And it over the course of a year or two, I had sort of developed a bunch of rhythm patterns and, you know, so I was just off to the races, but that really helped. I only, and I only took lessons from him for about three months, but it changed the course of my life forever. Sure. So obviously you started really enjoying piano and and I'm assuming you've been passionate about it ever since. Has piano always been your career? Uh, pretty much. I, when I was first out of college, I worked in retail a little bit and I, I was a little skeptical at the time because this is like 2000. Um, I was a little skeptical about making it a career. I had gotten married and it's like throwing caution into the wind and going to Nashville or Los Angeles and seeing what worked, uh, didn't feel quite right. So I did try to have like normal jobs for about 10 years or so out of school, but I always played gigs on the side. And, um, what finally happened is that I was a real estate agent at one point and I hated it. I hated the work. I just hated the work. And I thought, you know, God, I'm, I'm not even trying and I'm playing like 40, 40 or weekends a year and I'm, I'm making decent money. If I actually tried, I might be able to just make a living at that. And at least I'll enjoy waking up and doing what I got to do. So most of my adult life, I've just been a professional musician. Gotcha. So tell me what the, what were the steps or the things that happened that led up to you as a professional musician wanting to take this information and turning it into an online course? Uh, well, I, as the world started to really, uh, bring the internet into their lives, um, I was mesmerized by the idea of having a business that you could operate from, you know, just from your home. And, uh, one of the things about being a musician was that the the gigging side of it, playing live was like a roller coaster. It was really busy and then it would crash for a while. I wanted something that would bring some consistency into my income. And the internet seemed like if I could harvest my knowledge in some way, it seemed like I could maybe create, even if it was a small income, I could subsidize what I was doing playing live and Uh, keep my home fires burning because when you're dealing with a global audience, there's no reason to have like these massive up and down swings in your income. So that's kind of what my chief motivator was at the time. Uh, But I wasn't even sure what I was going to do. I just was interested. So I started reading books about online businesses and Tim Ferriss's book, the four hour work week kind of necessarily steal a lot of ideas from it, but it changed the way I saw the potential of what my life could be. And uh, then uh, as fortune has it, I was playing a gig um, in 2010 and I was going to do a little 45 minute show at a Christmas party for a hospital. And then they were going to have a DJ do a dance later. And so they had the DJ and I meet up in the afternoon to work out 
you know, sound systems and that kind of stuff. And he, it turns out he's a brilliant guitar player. And uh, he had spent 20 years touring with all of the major country acts and was sort of semi-retired in Mesquite. And he had a guitar lesson business. And he said, you're a great player, man. You should do what I'm doing. This is great. I'm making more money at this than I've ever done. And it was a pretty disorganized, uh, like not as uh, strategic and refined approach, but he kind of took me under his wing and showed me a system and got me started. And I've sort of been tweaking it ever since. And about six months after that, I was making four figures a month and had a nice little thing going, you know? Awesome. So, and this is what, 2010, 2011? 2011 is when I really got the business rolling, but the end of 2010 is when I met him. So yeah, I'm seven or eight years into it now. Yeah. And in six months time, you went from nothing to breaking that four figure a month mark. Uh, What do you attribute that to? I think one of the things people struggle with most is just getting it in front of people with the marketing. How, How did you, did you have an audience already? No, not really. Uh, I, to be honest with you, I think I did it kind of the hard way. Um, it's not necessarily like everything I've learned now. It's not how I would start if I had to start from scratch. But it was sort of the path of least resistance. I used YouTube pretty much ex- exclusively. And what I what I did, and, and I didn't really have at the time any great knowledge of what the best way to do it was. So I just thought to myself, I'm a big fan of Billy Joel. I'm a big fan of Elton John. And I know that there's going to be a big fan base of theirs who are aspiring piano players. So my entire thought was I'm going to market to me. I'm going to put myself in the position of the consumer and say, out of the 7 billion people on the internet, I want to find people like me because I know how to talk to me. And so I started making uh, song tutorials, which wasn't the greatest way for me to make money, I don't think, but it was a good way to start getting a lot of uh, viewers. And I started making performance videos of, of a lot of different things, but especially I went crazy with Billy Joel and Elton John. And, you know, it, within that first six months, I probably put 200 videos on YouTube and I probably wow. filmed... I probably filmed about 50 lessons that were that I had for sale as digital downloads at the time. And uh, so that's that's part of it is just there was content for people to buy. And my, I got out there, but I, I chose a niche. You know, I chose an audience that I knew there'd be people searching for Billy Joel covers on YouTube. And I figured some of them would play piano. And that was my my thought. And so I really established myself with that group. And then I've branched out since, but you know, to be honest with you, I didn't even know what my course, I didn't know what the course was going to be at the time. I, you know, I started out, I was like, well, here's a lick I like. So I just made a video where I taught that lick and then put it up for sale. I mean, I, it was very throw stuff against the wall and see what would stick. But I knew my, my opinion at the time was, I like doing this better than I like doing anything else. So it's worth it to do it until I see what works. And that's why I didn't quit. I didn't get obsessed with, I didn't get obsessed with how quickly I got results. It was more do work that I enjoy and then see what kinds of work that I enjoy are actually producing results. Do more of that, do less of the other stuff. 
So how much different is your course today than it was when you first launched it back then? Well, it incorporates everything that I filmed back then. But what happened was, is after I'd been at it for about a year and a half, I realized that there was sort of an actual coherent approach, which I call the Piano Man approach, that I was teaching. And it was learn chords, plug chords into rhythm patterns, add in improvisational techniques, and boom, you're playing songs. You know, and, and I wanted, I, I cater my course primarily to people who want to play while they sing, you know, because again, that's, that's who I am. That's what I do. So, and then I do have, you know, a small, so I have some bonuses where it's like, here's how you apply what I'm teaching you to playing the melody in the right hand. Here's, here's the difference between playing by yourself and playing in a band. Here's ear training and that kind of stuff. But I really, my, the bulk, the meat and potatoes of my course is chords, rhythm patterns, improvisation techniques, and how do you build a song from that? How do you listen to a song? And if you've got the chord sheet, how do you recreate the essence of that on the piano so you can sing and play? And uh, so that's kind of, it just, but that kind of happened. And then once I saw that that was there, that we had these modules, I thought, boy, now, this is actually a pretty cool little design. So then when I started from that point forward, when I was filming more videos, I just would stick them inside that in those parameters. Is this a chord video or rhythm pattern video or an improv video? And so now we're up to well over 200 lessons that I sell rather than individually. I sell them as part of a, a membership so people can buy a membership for a year or a lifetime and log in and stream all the videos and kind of follow along. So it sounds like you, you even today still have videos back when you were first getting started in there and you just keep adding to the collection. Yes, that's what I've been doing today. Although I think the time will be approaching where, um, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, I'm probably going to reboot the course at some point and make a more coherent, um, but the one thing that's been a little tricky, though, with me, I just I want to point this out. I think that it's a really good idea whenever possible to create a step-by-step system for people. But sometimes you can't really be true to your material in a step-by-step system. Because for me, everyone's starting with a different level. They're starting at a different place of knowledge. And so I can't really gauge. I can't promise someone if you follow step one to step two to step three to step four, that you're going to be playing like me in no time, you know, it just is not, that's not the way it works, but I can structure the modules better and have the videos feel a little bit more connected and related better because now I know what I'm doing. Um, so I probably will be doing that in the near future. Uh, but I had been focusing on growing the collection uh, for a while and again, I think that's kind of the hard way to go about it. Uh, but that's the thing. You do this for a while and you start to learn how to get better results off of less work. So. It's always interesting to hear, you know, the different approaches and, and no one way is necessarily the right way. Cause it sounds like we teach piano in, in a fairly similar way, but I've chosen the route of kind of a, a very succinct step-by-step program. And I certainly don't have the same videos up from when I first got started about 2013, but instead of just adding to a collection like you have, I just scrap everything and just re-record my entire course. 
Yeah, and I think that's cool. You know, I mean, I think that's uh, I'm I was skeptical about that approach for a long time, but I've seen it work time and time again with with folks, and I can also see too that uh, you know, for me. Um, I can see where the benefits would be. Like I said, I'm kind of trending in that direction. So I think the most important thing is you have to, whatever it is you're doing. I mean, if I, if I were going to give anyone a piece of advice about getting into the online world, whether it's piano or anything else, the approach that you need to do is the approach that you believe in at the time. You know, you have to be, you have to buy into what you're doing. Um, no matter what book you read that says this is a best practice and this is effective and this will get your conversion rate up and all of that, that's all good stuff. But if you're not, if you've got butterflies in your stomach about, I don't know if this is the right way for me to go, it probably isn't the right way for you to go right now. But over time, you'll evolve. You know, you become, if you're going to survive, you have to become an entrepreneur. You can't just be a nerd with your info. You know what I mean? I mean, you have to learn how to do the business side of it too. So, but give yourself that room to expand and evolve, you know? Yeah, that's great advice, Steve. So you've obviously learned a lot about the business side and the online side and, and things throughout the years. You've, you've been an expert at the piano side for a while. So um, now, now you've, part. that I agree completely. So now you've collected a lot of this, um, this marketing and, and business knowledge, uh, knowing what you know today, going back to when you were first creating your online course, what would you have done differently? Well, I think the biggest thing uh, that I would do differently now, knowing what I know is I know what the course is going to look like. So I probably would have created the whole course before I released anything. But you have to understand, too, in 2011, we lived in a different world than we do now. I mean, Kajabi didn't exist in 2011 when I started. The, it wasn't so easy to just have your videos available for people to stream until a couple of years down the road. So the technology and what's a, what's a you know, the affordability of different things and the availability of different platforms changes every year. So that's one thing. At the time, I was doing these digital downloads of individual things and most people were watching them on a computer but two years later everyone wanted to watch it on a tablet or a phone and so I that's why I went to the streaming model because I thought it'll be a lot easier to deal with the tech issues that people are having if they can just log in and watch rather than constantly try and figure out how to help them successfully download it to their iPad you know so little stuff like that. I would have, I would have structured the course differently. I would have tried to start with a full course rather than piecemeal, um, sort of a la carte. And the other thing too, I, I, the most important lesson I think I've come across in the, in the recent past, I'm, I'm an artist by trade and I'm, I'm a reluctant businessman, but so it's easy sometimes when you're reading a book, um, by someone who's like really good at the business part of it. It's easy sometimes to feel like, Oh yeah, but you're willing to do anything for a dollar and I'm not, you know, I, I, I'm my integrity. And, you know, and I think that's not just for artists, but anyone who's passionate about their information that they're trying to sell and they don't have business experience. It's easy to sort of have that, 
that attitude about it. Uh, but what I figured out is the better marketing job you do, it's less about making sales than it is about finding the right customers. You know, because here's the thing, the right customer would pay a thousand dollars for my course and not bat an eye. The wrong customer will pay a hundred dollars sometimes and be not very satisfied. And so what I've found is, is that marketing, I'm and I'm still working on the marketing side of it, but I want a really, really good qualification and filtering process in my marketing, not just so I can pad my pocket, although, you know, hell, I deserve to pad my pocket. I've done the work. I'm not afraid to make money benefit from this thing. I want to I want the people who when they go through my marketing filter and funnel. By the time it gets to here's the course and here's what it costs, I want them to feel like, man, this guy has been speaking my language. He knows exactly what my problem is, and he's got the solution I'm looking for. Because that's the guy who's going to get it. I'm not going to have to refund him. He's going to get a great amount of benefit out of it, and everybody wins. So that's really the purpose of marketing is to create a win-win situation across the board. It's not just to maximize your profits, but it does maximize your profits. So you mentioned your sales funnel. What does your sales funnel look like? Well, it's in somewhat disarray at the moment that we're talking because I'm restructuring it. But what I want it to look like is, and what I'm working toward having it look like, is that I'll probably go to a Facebook ad uh, model rather than, the thing with YouTube you're attracting an awful lot of people there who are used to their, their primary objective is to find stuff for free. And, um, you know, that's fine, but they're reluctant to pay top dollar for a, for a, or at least that's been my experience. Um, and also I have other uses on YouTube for my talents. I'm, I'm promoting myself as an entertainer too. So what I want to do is free up my YouTube space to just fun stuff for me to do. And then I want to kind of start with uh, getting people with Facebook ads and possibly YouTube ads, but an ad-based, metrics-based lead generation, first and foremost. When they see the ad and they click it, I want them to go to a webinar because I need a chance to tell them what I do and why I think it's important, where I can explain the big picture. Uh, If they don't make it all the way through the webinar, they're probably not a great customer for what I do. Um, and of course I'll work really hard to make the webinar interesting, but I want to, I want to show what I do at the webinar. I want to invite them to contact me personally, uh, probably not by phone so much, but what I will definitely do is say here, and I'll just put an email box right there, contact me. And if you're still not convinced, we can Skype but let's talk about it because if someone's going to spend 500 or a thousand dollars or more on something, they might want the reassurance of being able to ask you a few questions. And I don't mind doing that for a customer that I know is going to one pay top dollar and two feel real good about it. And then hopefully at that point, uh, uh, we'll convert, uh, quite a few of them into, into buyers and I probably am going to create a situation where there's an incentive uh, like maybe uh, 
I'm thinking that maybe the course will normally be $997, but if you buy within seven days of watching the webinar, you can get it for 500 Because if it's someone who's a really good match for it, you know, they might as well pull the trigger and that way. So there's a little bit of incentive to try and convert the customers that are the right customers early and then but that's that's kind of what I've got in mind after observing a lot of different ways of doing this. So that's what I'm thinking. So you, so you mentioned a, a pretty premium price for what it is that we offer. I am I wrong that it looked like on your website your course sells for like more like 100 or 200 dollars? Currently, currently, but that's going away. So I I'm figuring by about September 1st we'll be at a new pricing structure. So I'm about to do a, I'm actually about to do sort of a blowout sale um, to allow you know, mostly my YouTube fans that have been on the fence for a while, a chance to get in at a pretty premium price. And then, uh, but I'm going to be refilming a bunch of stuff and, you know, just basically making the product better and, and doing a better job with the marketing. Okay. So you mentioned Kajabi earlier as your, uh, as your course platform. Yes. Why did you go with Kajabi? Well, I really liked what they had to offer. I mean, especially I was impressed with the old platform, but the new platform is spectacular. They have, it's about a thousand. Well, for me, it's a thousand dollars a year because I'm a founding member. It might be more like 2000 a year for people that are just starting up. I'm not sure but it's still just an amazing package of they have no hard limits on video data. So you can have a thousand videos in there if you want and unlimited streaming for your people. You can upload workbooks. You can upload any kind of PDF, any kind of downloadable. You can even make your videos downloadable if you want to create that option for people to come in and stream, but also save it to their hard drive. Uh, and it's just a nice little membership platform that you can set up. So if you want to create, uh, let's say you want to create a bronze level and a silver level and a gold level that all have different, you know, different amounts of information available, you can have in there because you can just earmark these videos are only for platinum and these videos are only for silver or, you know, whatever. And uh, so I just felt like they had the best collection of options to be able to do it. And they keep, they do a great job of keeping up with, we're going to make sure everything on here is totally, uh, totally in sync with every kind of device out there. You know, they're, they're on top of their game. At least they have been in all the time that I've worked with them. I've been with them since 2013 and I can't say a bad word about them. That's great. What, uh, Steve, what are you struggling with in your business right now? Uh, the biggest struggle that I have right now is the same struggle I've had from day one, which is there are a thousand good ideas rolling around in my mind and you can only do one at a time. And so it's the overwhelmment and it's very easy to, because you have so many things that you want to do that you end up doing nothing because you just can't, you know, so it's important to do, um, kind of for yourself to prioritize and and uh, just try to accomplish something here and there but also you have to follow your own personal style 
Uh, one one thing that I honestly, this is something I want to bring up about about our situation is that when you are working with a lot of gurus, they have a tendency to always say, you know, it's better to make fifty thousand a month than it is to make five thousand a month, and blah blah blah. And, and I understand on the face that that's true, but remember, whoever you are watching, you're the one who gets to define what success is. You know what I mean? You're the one, you, you know what you're doing this for. Some people just want to feel significant and have a following. Some people want freedom of time. Some people want to just throw themselves into the work and they want to do 14 hour days, but they just love, love the work. Whatever that looks like for you is great. Don't let me or anybody else define what success at this is going to be for you because it's all relative. Uh, and so for me, one of the most important things for me is downtime. Cause I like to make albums and be creative and, and take vacations. And so I don't accomplish as much as other people I know in the field, but I, I've succeeded at the level that I needed to, to have what I really wanted. And it's, caused within me the clarity to see that I could be doing better without jeopardizing these other things that I want. So, you know, allow it to be a journey. You don't have to get there in five days. Just keep taking a step and a step and a step. Uh, man, I, I appreciate so much all the great advice you're sharing, Steve. Um, one question I wanted to ask you as well is uh, about trademarks because you're piano man, Steve.com. You've got the piano man approach. Is there no sort of, sort of trademark that you uh, had to deal with, with the term piano man? No, no. I mean, it's a, it's just two, two words. <laughs> you know, maybe, 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 maybe if I get successful enough, I'll get some lawsuits, but you know, that's a problem to deal with when it comes. You know what I mean? I'm not, uh, one thing I try not to paralyze myself with fear of, let me put it this way. The world tends not to send you problems that are above your pay grade. It tends to send you problems that are within your pay grade. So even if you try something and you're trade and you accidentally and you don't, I mean, I wouldn't, you should never knowingly bust somebody's copyright or trademark, but if you didn't know that you were violating someone's trademark and you were making $2,000 a month and starting to get some steam, uh, chances are you're probably just going to get a nasty gram because you don't, you don't have anything for them to come after. And so fine, you make an adjustment, you know, and then you try and do better the next time. If you're making 50000 a month and they send you the nasty gram, they probably are going to sue you for some back pay. But you know what? You're probably in a position to handle that. So you don't get million-dollar problems if you're not, if you haven't already proven yourself that you can make a million dollars. So don't allow, don't allow the consequences of success to stop you from trying, you know, and moving forward. That's, yeah, that's just what I would say. You just you just keep dropping the knowledge bomb, Steve. I appreciate it, man. So um, this has just been a pleasure of a conversation. Let's uh, go ahead and wrap things up. And in closing, let us know if there's anything else you want to share and where people can find you online. Uh, my my course used to be called learningmusicisfun.com, which uh, I have sent to – right now I'm going to have it set to the uh, the sale price I was telling you about for the next little while. So if anyone's interested in checking it out, they're welcome to. Um, it'll be up for about a month, 
I would say, at pretty good price. And then we're going to be seeing a shift there. But mostly, aside from that, have fun with this. You know, don't wait for success and money to have fun. If you're not enjoying the, the journey to what you're trying to accomplish, you're not going to accomplish it. And if you do, it's not going to be worth it. You know, we're, we only want what we want because of how we think it's going to make us feel. So cut out the middleman, focus on the parts of it that are enjoyable, survive the rest of it as quickly as possible. And just remember that this is about finding something that you love to do and sharing it with people that are just like you. I mean, if you can't, I don't know how you could create a better dream job than that. So keep that perspective as you go. We're not dealing with anything serious here, people. Have a good time. And so will your customers. Thanks so much, Steve. Appreciate it. Thank you, Jacques. And that'll do it for this episode. Thank you again to Steve Lundgren for joining me on today's show, episode 52. You can find all the show notes, the links, everything we talked about at theonlinecourseguide.com slash 52. And please don't forget to check out our sponsor, and that's bonjour.com. Sign up for your free trial. It's truly amazing. I've been using it for over a year, well before they were the sponsor of this podcast. Do yourself a favor, check out Bonjoro. Use this link, bonjoro.com slash Jacques. Also, this this has been pretty popular lately. A lot of people have been going to the online course workshop that I put together. That's at theonlinecourseguy.com. It's about 30 minutes long. You can view it anytime you want to. It's not like a, a webinar. It's not even an evergreen webinar. I'm not promoting it as a webinar. It's a video. Uh, you do have to put in your email address and you can watch this video. And it is, I mean, I'm officially calling it the online course workshop subtitle, how to create or grow a wildly profitable online course business. But in it, I'm going to share some of my best tips, such as the only three things that you really, really need to do if you want to have a profitable online course. So if you're just getting started, you definitely want to know what these three things are, or if you have an online course already and it's not as profitable as you would like, you probably want to know what those three th things are as well. So go to theonlinecourseguy.com and check out that online course workshop. And please, 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 please stay tuned for the next episode, episode 53, where I'm not going to have a guest. I'm going to do a solo show. The top online course funnels. You won't want to miss it.